With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yes, do. Download the app. Free never sounded so good. It's 8.06 here at 55 Care CD Talk Station. Brian Thomas wishing you a very happy Friday Eve. Looking forward to this all morning. I have been the return of the chairman of the Ohio Republican Party, Alex Trantafila, who was at the debate last night. Welcome back, Alex. You know I always love having you on the program, and thanks for your uh, time this morning. Brian, well, good morning, and uh, greetings from Milwaukee, and uh, glad to be with you. Uh, Algonquin for the good land. How was it last night? What is the... um, what was the atmosphere like in the room? Before we dive into your thoughts and impressions about how each of the candidates did and the issues and the like, but um, never been to one of these. This obviously was very important. First opportunity for us to get a, a decent look at these candidates and hear them on their policies. But uh, you, obviously, you're chairman of the Ohio Republican Party. You are, you know, a noted notable uh, hoo-ha or whatever, however you want to characterize it. Was the room filled with folks of your stature in politics or regular folks there too? Just kind of give me the lay of the land on who was actually present and kind of what the mood was like. Yeah, no, you know, the mood is, is good. I mean, you know, these are these are political junkies in the room. You know what I mean, Brian? People yeah. that, that just live for this kind of thing. And they would be there probably regardless of who the candidates are. And that includes me. I mean, I you know, I'm a, I'm a Republican. I'm going to support whoever the Republican voters support. But at the end of the day, it's it's people like that. It's, um, you know, the RNC consists of every state chairman. It includes guys like me. So there's 50, you know, people like me. And then, you know, a whole lot of other kind of politically active people at the state and national level. So, you know, I, you know, I'm 10 feet from Cary Lake and one side you turn around, Marjorie Taylor Greene and I were talking on the floor. So, you know, there's these, these various national figures. It's, you know, it, it kind of becomes a little bit like a, um, I, you know, kind of a collection just of some of the more kind of vocal party insiders. Matt Gates sat four rows in front of me, right? So huh. it's that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, so it, it kind of brings everybody together in that sense. And, and the mood is solid on the on the ground because people are just excited. You know, we get to talk about our vision a little bit. And you hope that despite all the noise and the scorekeeping, Brian, and the in the game, that, you know, we get a chance to tell the American people, those who are tuned in, what we're about, you know, what we care about, why Joe Biden is not the right guy and why our vision is a better one. So, you know, I think the mood was good. I think afterward everybody was, you know, there wasn't anything that was – I think particularly noteworthy about it, but I, you know, I thought some people did very well, and I, you know, I thought uh, I thought we did okay overall, kind of explaining our vision, you know, with the with the gigantic, you know, elephant not in the room, yeah. to quote Brett Bear, you know, I mean, all knowing that our front runner and our, you know, our very likely standard bearer, to be to be blunt about it, wasn't in the room. So that's kind of my initial take. Okay, well, since you did bring up Trump there, and it was one of the questions I wanted to ask you right off at the gate after I got those initial impressions. On one side, you've got Vivek Ramaswamy as the, well, the most supportive of Donald Trump across the board. And on the polar opposite side, I think, was Chris Christie, who clearly is does not like Trump. I think that is going to end Chris Christie as a potential for a candidate. You've got to walk a, a very, very, very balanced, delicate line because, you know, half of the Republican Party are Trump supporters on some level or another, some ravenously so, some sort of like, well, I like what he did last time and I hate Joe Biden, so I'll, I'll stick with the guy who might look mostly will likely win. So if you're gambling on the need for Trump supporters, I think 
Vivek made a, a better political calculation than someone like Christie. Your take? Yeah, I, I actually agree with that. And I, I think that, look, I mean, uh, Chris Christie, who, by the way, you know, when he was governor of New Jersey, he was an outstanding governor back in the day. But he, you know, he's, he's changed his, his mantra. And he, again, the way he's decided to play this game is to take on Donald Trump. And look, in the modern political party right now, the Republican Party, Brian, that's probably not the best place to be. I, I, don't, I don't think he, you know, uh, did particularly well with the crowd last night, that's for sure. Um, you know, so I don't know that that's a winning lane for him. But you mentioned Vivek Ramaswamy, you know, someone I've really known since he was in high school here in Cincinnati. And he, you know, he, um, I thought he had a pretty good night. I think Vivek is someone who, uh, you know, they went after, you know, they came oh, yeah. after him pretty good last night. Which, you know, is amazing to me. Like, here's this, this 38-year-old businessman that kind of nobody had heard of even three or four months ago, uh, you know, suddenly being attacked by the former vice president. So <laughs> those, are, those are interesting moments at these debates. But I thought he did himself very, very well. You know, in, in a lot of ways, Brian, without, you know, burning up a whole lot of time, I'll tell you that there is a little bit of an internal struggle in the Republican Party right now. And that was obvious to me last night. You know, you see kind of the new guard led by Vivek with a, you know, more American centrist, you know, America first attitude. And then, you know, some of the sort of more neoconish, you know, um, old guard Republicans, kind of the party that I grew up in, frankly. So, you know, you're seeing this tension. It's natural in a political party to see that occur. And, you know, we'll work that out in the primary. That's, that's what happens in a primary, and our voters will tell us which, which direction the party will go. But I think, again, from a 50,000-foot perspective, you see that tension a little bit between somebody like Mike Pence and Vivek Ramaswamy with just a different view of where the party and the country ought to go within the bounds of conservatism. Indeed, and of course, uh, Ukraine is a real difficult issue. We've been embroiled in this proxy war for so long. We've spent so much money, um, money in terms of aid, money in terms of weapons. We've depleted our own resources in support of this. What what looks like, uh, I think, a foregone conclusion that Ukraine is not going to be able to unify, you know, alone defend itself. I mean, they're going through men of a of military age quicker than. Um, you can turn around. It's just it's it's a meat grinder by all accounts. Ramaswamy came out against continuing this. I know that's the side Trump, the position Trump takes, and then he's immediately attacked for lacking foreign policy experience because he's against what may be an unwinnable war. But even if it's not, what is our motive, our goal? It's never been articulated by the Biden administration, and I didn't hear anybody or read anything from anybody articulating a vision for what what is going to unfold in Ukraine and what we hope to accomplish. Yeah, you know, I think Vivek came as close to, to um, at least my own view on that and a lot of the views of a lot of Republicans, and that is, that, you know, you have to be able to tell the American people why these sacrifices are being made. It's, it's one thing to be the leader of the free world, but we do have problems here in the United States. And if, you're, if you've got your head in the sand on what's going on on the southern border, what's going on in our major cities with the you know, explosion of crime and decay, I mean, we do have American problems, and the idea that we can now project, you know, our our force all around the globe, but that's a wonderful thought. And you know, the debate last night, Brian, was, you know, we can do both. We can do both. We can seal the border. We can also help uh, the Ukrainians. Well, I mean, I think the American people need to see that Americans are being taken care of, that our cities get safer, and that our borders secure. And if you stop the flood of fentanyl across the border, if you see those things, well, then perhaps you might, you know, hear arguments. I think about whether or not we start acting internationally in the way that we have in places like Ukraine. So, you know, I, I think that 
that w- there wasn't a clearly articulated position by Biden ever on this war, and I don't think Americans see their their own interests. And I think Republicans are going to have a better, you know, a better argument on that. Ron DeSantis also, by the way, joined with Vivek last night in saying, "Let's take care of America first. and you know that resonated, I think, strongly. Yeah, and I just made a comment earlier um, when I was speaking with uh, Donovan at the end of my conversation with him about DeSantis. He's got a lot of positive things, demonstrably good things to run on. I mean, his record in Florida has been wonderful, and his handling of COVID obviously proved all of the leftist shutdown, mask wearing, close the schools, make everybody stay at home, not go to church. Um, He contrasts that so wonderfully, and his economy's been booming. More people moved to Florida, I think, than any other state during the period of time of this great shift we have. Um, it, It just shocks me that he's not really doing better in the polls considering the other the other op- options you know he had a pretty good night last night i mean at least that at least that's what this guy thinks you know and watching it i don't know that i don't know that i would declare any winner necessarily i mean donald trump clearly our front runner but i thought ron DeSantis did himself pretty well last night and look it, it's not so long ago brian in our party that we recognized ron DeSantis as one of the great if not the best governor in the in the country uh, he he was an outstanding governor and nobody can take that away from him and his record you know, he's a, he's a, I think he's a very, very smart, conservative uh, guy. He understands how to implement conservative principles to advance things. I mean, you know, he, he's fixing issues of crime. He's doing all kinds of other great things in Florida. And he did resist, you know, the draconian lockdowns in a way that a lot of other governors didn't have the guts to do. So he's been, you know, very, very strong in that way. And I think that... Um, you know, I think I think there's a future for him if it's whether it's this race or some other. We, I, I guess, my point being, I know once you get into the sort of tick and tack of politics and the the, the infighting and the, all the other stuff that's going on, I don't want to forget the idea that we have this outstanding candidate uh, for us in Ron DeSantis, and he did a wonderful job in Florida. And you know, I don't know where he'll end up in this presidential contest, but you cannot take away what he did. And I think last night, I think he actually did a pretty good job of reminding everybody about why he was so good in Florida. Chair of the Ohio Republican Party, Alex Trantafilo. Let's uh, pause for a moment. We'll bring him back and get some more thoughts and comments about the debate. Appreciate your time. This yes, sir. 820 coming up, 821, 55 KCD Talk Station. I heard media aviation expert Jay Rett left in the next segment. In the meantime, we've got another segment here with Alex Trantafilo, head of the Ohio Republican Party and a person who was present at the debate last night. Um, I thought, you know, I gave props to Nikki Haley for pointing out something that uh, we all should point out more regularly, that Republicans have a spending problem as well. Uh, She said, listen, you know, some of you guys here are complicit in basically raising the debt and putting us $8 trillion additional debt between Donald Trump's presidency and the present. And she pointed out to the 2024 budget, quote, Republicans asked for $7.4 billion in earmarks. Democrats asked for $2.8 billion. So you tell me who the big spenders are. It's a pretty good point, Alex. Uh, what was your, your reaction to that one? You know, Brian, I've come on the airwaves with you for many, many years, and you know, I'm, I'm very reluctant to criticize Republicans unless, unless we get to this topic. Yep. And I've been very consistent through the years on this topic. We as Republicans, now look, I, I think they're way worse. She, you know, Nikki Haley points to earmarks. That's one thing. The Democrats love big budgets. They love to take more of your money. They love to raise your taxes, every kind of tax. That's certainly that's certainly where they are as a party. They think they can confiscate your money and spend it better than you can. That's a fundamental part of American politics. But we as Republicans have not been a whole lot better. We've been a little bit better, but not a whole lot better. So I'm glad somebody's talking about that. I think the greatest threat to the country actually is the the, the coming fiscal calamity that will result from 
runaway spending and, and, and runaway taxation. I think those things are going to destroy the country. Ultimately, I think it's going to take us off a fiscal cliff. And I don't think anybody, frankly, on the Republican side speaks about it as, as bluntly as I just did. I think we should talk more about it like this. So, look, I, on that point, Nikki Haley makes a great point, and I agree with it. I'd like to see Republicans from Donald Trump on down, Brian, say, listen, we have – a 30-, 40-year problem. Well, the Democrats fear-monger about climate change, and that's all they ever talk about. We're not good enough about saying, here's the truth on our fiscal situation. Our entitlements are growing faster than we can keep up. We don't have enough money, and the debt's out of control. So, you know, those things are things I hope we keep talking about as Republicans. And I, you know, again, reluctant to be critical of Republicans ever. But on this topic, we got to do better. We got to do better. Well, I agree. And therein lies a challenge for Trump supporters because Trump was no, you know, fiscal hawk. I mean, he went $5 trillion on his watch. I don't recall him ever ever once you know, raising concern about the national debt, and that always was a problem with me for with with being a Trump supporter, or at least someone who was happy about his policies. Um, he can't go out now and start running on fiscal responsibility. That people will just point their finger at. Well, what the hell is you were doing on your watch, right? I mean, that, that's a challenge for Trump. Yeah, well, there's no doubt, and I'll tell you that you know, COVID entered, ushered in an era where people thought, well, man, we can just print the money to get ourselves out of it. And COVID certainly was a reason, I think, in many respects to prop up our economy, but it's created this false sense among a lot of Americans that there's just an unlimited amount of money out there, which is why you're seeing a lot of people not go back to work. They expect more benefits than they've ever expected from their government. But I, look, I, I agree. And I think that the, the, the candidate who I you know, want to hear from the most is the candidate who says, listen, we have a fiscal problem and it is real and unless we start to address it in with an adult conversation with the american people this country is going to go the way of a lot of other great countries and that is we're going to spend ourselves into oblivion and uh, i'm worried about it well and finally as we part cover the alex trump to feel i can't thank you enough seem to be uniformity across the board on border security uniformity across the board on education choice both of which are big winners across party lines but then you get into the issue that Nikki Haley was talking about. I think she's as far on the not pro-abortion side, but on the realist side. And then you have on the opposite side, I think Pence was the most anti-abortion. I'm just surprised that when this topic comes up, these are national candidates. These are candidates for federal office, presidential level. After the Supreme Court decision overruling Roe, it's a state issue. And they keep getting asked about some, you know, national legislation that's going to enshrine or otherwise protect or prohibit whatever abortion it seems to me that the logical reasonable legal response is well wait a second that's a state issue we are federal candidates here we can't touch that anymore because the supreme court said it's not one of the enumerated powers what one of the candidates actually said that i and i think it might have been doug berg i might one of one of them even whipped out the constitution and pointed to the 10th amendment which i thought was interesting as a lawyer but you know yeah I, look i mean we fought for years to overturn roe we were successful as republicans in doing that and what roe said is um you know there was a federal right to to an abortion and now it gets kicked back to the people and brian you're exactly right i mean if you're running for federal office you ought to say you know what not every solution. New York's solution is not going to be the same as Texas' solution. That's obvious. So, you know, let the states do it. And I think that's right. The concept of federalism uh, needs to be better explained to the American people. You get to decide um, closest to home what, what ought to happen. And uh, that's, uh, I think that's the right strategy and the right answer there. I appreciate that because I keep waiting for hearing, hearing that more and more. They've got cover now. It's not our issue. 
It's yours in the states. Talk to your state politicians about that. Alex Trantafilo, I'm sure you hear a lot about that issue in your role. Head of the chairman or chairman of the Ohio Republican Party. God bless you, sir, for spending time with my listeners and me. And thanks for uh, reporting uh, what well, what happened on the front lines from the debate today. Always a pleasure to be with you, Brian. Take good care. Look forward to the next time. 820- lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.